And you said you didn't last but five seconds. You said you were going to be an adult. I said JR is going to be yeah, an adult. Okay. I never volunteer to be the adult. <laughs> all right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our scientific passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction, although mostly that's talk. Uh, but Hi. without further ado, we're going to let our guests... Giant match sucks. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they're colored. Like uh, I'm, I'm colorblind. I, I can't. Their army sucks. Right they are. <laughs> but they wear differently. It's different. You gotta match the worn out pattern to the they scene. Are. They are. Just stop. What's that? <laughs> anyway, so Miss Amber L. Werner, author of many extraordinary things, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Uh, sure. Hi. Um, thank you guys for having me. I'm Amber L. Werner. I'm a fantasy author. I live in um, southwestern Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. I've got um, my husband, my dog, and my two kids, and um, we're just hanging out here. Oh my goodness, that sounds so, like a lot to deal with. Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty wild, crazy house over here with the kids running around like mad all the time. <laughs> Give them sugar; it makes everything better. Um, so the next part of the introduction. Doc, don't give me that look. No That's part of the introduction. Anymore. I'm the dad. I can do that stuff. Uh, the next part of the introduction is how we first found them. So That's I was uh, in a couple days. Day. You wouldn't be that mean to me. Wait, wait, wait. We'll if you're listening in the audience, let us know if you think I'm mean enough to send a shit ton of sugar to JR's kids for his Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, we're, we're going to move on and Hey, Doc, look, shiny book behind you. What? Um, so the, uh, the, next part, the next part of the introduction is how we first found her. So when we were looking to diversify our guests, meaning find people I didn't already know, and we haven't already interviewed a few dozen times, I started looking at the bookish side of Instagram, and I found uh, her book covers. And yes, I am that guy. I really do judge a book by its cover. So we invited her on. Don't judge me. I like pretty. I things. would be more worried about you judging a book by its cover if they didn't know you were colorblind. Well, I mean, the book's covers are pretty. So it's kind of funny you that got you're dragons on potentially them. your most defective tool to judge a book. I mean, okay, normally we would do this at the end, but come on, Doc, look at this. Look at this. It is pretty. Oh, no. Her look books are stellar. Thank I love you, them. Thank you. Right? Like, all right. So, Doc, before we decide if she gets to stay, but it sounds like you've already bonded against me. So, you know, we're probably not going to kick her. But uh, you got to ask the religion questions. Okay. So, Game of Thrones, uh, Lord of the Rings, or Conan the Barbarian. I did these backwards. Normally, we do sci fi first. Oh, no worries. Um, out of this, I'm definitely going to go Game of Thrones. Nice. So how about Star Wars? You don't Star like Wheel of Time? Uh, Wheel of Time? Yeah, if, if you throw Wheel of Time in there, I would pick Wheel of Time. Just because uh, it's finished versus Game of Thrones. <laughs> waiting a while Game for of Thrones, I honestly think Game of Thrones is finished. It, he just doesn't want to hear anybody complain about the ending, so he's going to publish a post for that. 
post-mortem. Posthumously. Yeah. That's the right word. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I mean, it's kind of fun. He gets all the attention still. Mm-hmm. So, Star Trek, Star Wars, or Firefly? Uh, I definitely have to go with Star Wars there. My um, my kids are both L names. Instead of Luke and Leia, I've got Logan and Luna. And my dog is actually named Wicket. So, he's named after the Ewok from Return of the Jedi. Hey. I'm a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> Man, Nick should have come. They, they're, they would be kindred spirits. And then JR could really be outnumbered. <laughs> because Nick would be compelled to take her side against Jr. Who th Jr. For the record, Jar Jar Binks is amazing. <laughs> he was hilarious. I don't know what you're talking about. And for the record, there were three amazing Star Wars movies. It was so good. I wish they'd make more. <laughs> well, my kids really loved the first three, for sure. <laughs> the um, the um. Oh, what's the Clone Warriors? Uh, Clone uh, Clone Troopers show was pretty cool. I watched that one with the kids. So some of the new stuff isn't as bad as you know the jokes would imply, but you know what? It's all they, okay. It's okay. That's why they put give tissues because you know yeah. how the Star Wars fans are when they leave the movie theater. They're always crying. <laughs> it's just so amazing. Sure. So we here at the. We here at the Blasters and Blades podcast like both the fantastical and the scientific. Well, what was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Um, I'm going to go with fantasy there. I was a, a big reader as a kid. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia, I read that as a child. Um, some of the Ron dolls, uh, like Matilda and uh, the BFG, those were like big favorites of mine when I first started reading on my own. So that like really opened up my lifelong love of fantasy there. Okay. So what was your first memory of engaging in the fantasy though? Then was it the um the doll books or, or was it something else? Uh well I think like even before that I was a big Disney fan and um you know like the Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, those fairy tale stories, like even before I started reading on my own, those had me in the fantasy realm already, thinking about, you know, living under the sea or with a big Beastly husband. <laughs> I mean, for the library, you do a lot of nasty things. I'm just saying That's it was a true. big library. <laughs> that was a beautiful library. I mean, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I'd put up with JR for that. Like. Oh. <laughs> and she just keep telling me short jokes. Uh, so, what is it about speculative fiction as a genre that you love so much? Um, I would say my favorite thing is probably magic. Um, I just love reading stories with magic and, um, you know, anything where it's just out of the ordinary. It just makes it so much more fun than just a, your average story. Okay. Magic is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So how did your love of, of speculative fiction and all things magical transition into you deciding to write stories in this space? Um, well, I would definitely say reading fantasy helped me to decide to become a fantasy writer. Um, I'm a big fan of Brandon Sanderson, and I found his um, YouTube lectures, and um, that kind of jump-started me. I, I watched those, and it really got me to thinking, like, you know, I can actually do this versus it just being a dream that was kind of unattainable. I can get that. 
it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, writing is hard. Not just the grammar part, which if you've read my emails, the grammar part is definitely a trial. Yeah. Thank God for <laughs> pro writing aid. <laughs> you know. JR, are you still there? Yes. It's question 10 is next and you. Oh, uh, well, you stole one of my questions. I was being nice. <laughs> okay. So um, have you had any real life experiences influence your writing, how you write? Uh, sure. Um, I would say my kids are a big influence. Um, my son in particular is a big nature freak. He's like all into documentaries right now about um, bugs and animals. And I used some of that as inspiration for some of the creatures I created in um, the Palisade Trilogy. So that was pretty fun. Nice. So, um, bugs are cool. I, I can get it. I can get behind that. Uh, bugs are something. Some bugs are cool. Uh, some bugs are not. Oh, they creep me out. He loves them though. <laughs> Little boys, right? Uh, there's something in the genetics. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not in my X chromosomes. Yeah, me either. <laughs> uh, so getting into kind of the writing side of things, uh, you know, you're pretty new as an author, but you have an amazing, strong book series. But when those amazing, what are you looking forward to from a fan angle? Like, what is going to be that moment where you're like, oh, wow, I have made it as an author? Well, you know, it would be incredible to get fan art for sure. Um, my sister is a, a fan fiction author, so she's like brought up the idea of doing fan fiction at some point. So that would be really cool to see, too. I'd love to see what fans do with the story and so, different routes they could take with it. We have all of her contacts listed in the show notes. So if you are a fan and you have some fan art, you now know how to find her and get that straight to her and then it will make her so happy. Now, um, do you have any like events coming up where you're going to be out in public? Oh, sure. Um, I'm actually going to be at my first big um, book fest. It's called the Flemington Book Fest, and it's uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, I believe that the date is uh, May 28th. So if you are, live in New Jersey, you can come out and see me there for sure. That's, that sounds awesome. I hope many people find you because you're awesome. We talked before the show. And getting into what is the amazing list of books that you have produced for us, or us fans, readers? Um, well, I've got um, my first book, Shadows That Bind Us. That's book one in the trilogy. That's all the Palisade trilogy. Um, Muses That Align Us is book two. And then Lines That Drew Us is book three. And then if you go on my website, I also have uh, a prequel you can get for free. Uh, it's called Fates That Entwine Us. Okay. So uh, as a new author, normally the uh, the introduction would take about half the show, but that's not going to happen today, which means we're going to play the commercial early, and then we are going to dive right into this book and give you a thrill ride. Marked for Death. Brothers Kildare and Zidane must complete their journey to the volatile city of Galantz. Beset with adversity, the pair are forced to rely on a reluctant ally in the hope of finding a way to save humanity from a fate worse than death. Should they arrive in time, the pair must overcome the Blood Watch, 
a squad of the deadliest swordsmen the world has ever seen. Unknown to the brothers, an assassin waits for them in the shadows, one who has sworn an oath to end their line forever. Orchestrating it all is Eliphas, the most powerful mages seen in centuries. Broken by the gods, Eliphas is bent on wreaking vengeance upon the world. The Raven and the Crow, The Grey Throne Written by Michael K. Falciani and narrated by Joshua Saxon Available from Three Ravens Publishing on Amazon All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. But uh, now let's talk about the book that brought us here. So Shadows That Bind, which is the first book in the Palisade trilogy. Where did you come up with the premise for this novel in this universe? Was it psychedelics, Ouija board, lack of sleep because your kids were driving you bonkers? <laughs> well, not quite. Um, when I decided I wanted to write a fantasy series, the first thing I definitely wanted was dragons. So I decided to do a little bit of research. And I came across um, a legend of these creatures called Echinamon. Um, they're like a mythical creature that are supposed to be um, one of the, um, you know, beasts that can actually defeat a dragon. And I love the idea of uh, such big, powerful creatures like dragons fighting these tiny little creatures that you would think would normally they would be squashed. So, um but instead, I decided I was going to have those little creatures be the beast and, you know, fight the dragons and bring them to the brink of extinction. So that's um, kind of where it all started. And it just snowballed from there. Okay. So before we get started, um, we all mentioned that we had kids to consider. So at what age range would you say that this book is appropriate for your readers? Uh, well, there's definitely some violence and some darker themes. Um, I would recommend it for older teens and adults, you know, maybe like 15, 16 and up. Okay. Um, so some kids are obviously precocious readers. Uh, you said violence, but is there any... Um, How graphic is Activity graphic? between... Cons yeah, consenting adult activity that happens behind closed doors, or is it just uh, the violence? All that happens behind closed doors, but um, it's happening. Okay. <laughs> it's referenced, but okay. it's very uh, Greek, fade to black. Yes. yes, fade to black. Okay. That information helps the parents make their own decisions, because Doc and I were definitely reading things we shouldn't probably have been at younger ages. Oh, yeah, same here. <laughs> I don't know what you're I talking thought it was about. a good idea. Everything I read was mother approved. <laughs> All right, Doc, we're going to move on, and you're going to ask the next question so we don't step in it. That's fine. My mother doesn't watch the podcast anyways. And... <laughs> so, that you know of. No, I'm pretty sure she would have yelled at me already by now. Um, <laughs> so on to some of the fun parts. Can we talk about these covers? Because they are so awesome. We showed, flashed them earlier, but let's put them up permanently for a bit more. Those are so awesome. these are all of the covers because the whole series. But then we're going to go and you're gonna get to see book one's cover, which is just glorious. It is, it very much is. I love this. Thank you guys. Well, um, I knew from the start that I wanted to feature one of the bond mates on each of the covers. So the bond mates are like the animal companions. Um, so the wolf you see right here is actually named Shadow. 
Um, and he is a companion to the main character, Connell. Um, and I think the company I used, uh, they're called Midlark. They did an amazing job bringing the uh, wolf shadow to life. And I just love how the covers turned out. So you, you won with this one. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's great because the colors are such that it's going to stand out on a thumbnail or even on a bookshelf. Mm -hmm. So I think that's awesome because cover art needs to be detailed, but it also needs to be distinctive enough that the details don't get lost. That's true. So I think you did an amazing job with that. And um, what would your 32nd elevator pitch for this book be? Okay, so I would say um, in a world filled with magic that has deadly consequences and ancient evil is stirring, three young heroes are thrust into danger. You have Kata, a princess who learns about a plot that endangers her beloved grandfather, the king. Then there's Connell. He's a hunter who survives a deadly betrayal and forms a bond with a wolf. And finally, you have Lark. She's a young mage who is tricked into bondage. All three have an important role to play in the future of their kingdom. The story shows them overcoming great odds to fight against the forces threatening their world. And plus, there's dragons. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know Doc there's, likes there's dragons. There's an amazing thing right here that flies and shoots fire. <laughs> Wait, do your dragons shoot fire? Uh, yes, they do. Well, they can shoot fire or other elementals. So... Depending on which That's dragon an interesting question. fire or not. Doc, can it be a dragon if it doesn't shoot fire? Yes, it can be a dragon if it doesn't shoot fire. It can even be a dragon if it's bioengineered. Ooh. Like burn. No, that's just that's just talking crazy talk now. <laughs> so JR, you should know about crazy talk. You're very, very good at it. I do have a special flair. I write about you, don't I? Bada boom. All right, that's the next question. I won't make fun of you too much longer. So, um, what is it that really makes this stand out and special in the world of fantasy? Um, I would definitely say the magic system is unique. There's actually um, two types of magic in the world that I've created. There's um, an elemental system that sometimes has deadly costs. And then there's also a second system based on the animal companions and their bond mates. So not all the time you get two magic systems in one series. I can see the Sanderson influence right now. Yeah, for sure. I was about to I say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a great writer. So, and he, Lord knows his world be building is, Second to none. So definitely. So is are your books as long as Sanderson's? No. How long are they? No, um, they're they're pretty short. Um I would say I think the about three hundred pages for the first two, and then the third one, of course the third one's always a little longer. That one's closer to four hundred. And that's then a good uh, size novel though. That's like I think that's a lock stock good size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely good too when you're a newer yeah. author to get people used to you. You don't want to come out with the doorstopper right out the gate for sure. What? You don't want to intimidate readers or something? <laughs> no, that's what they tell me anyway. 
Uh, I had my hey, you don't intimidate anybody. Sure. Uh, but uh, all right. So speaking of, of book one specifically, the shadows that bind us, what tropes did you do you feel like you used the best in this novel? Um, well, there's a lot that I tried to give justice to. Of course, we've got um, the quest, uh, found family. There's a wise mentor figure. We've got uh, elemental magic, family secrets, betrayal. Um, that's just to name a few. I'm sure there's some more in there I'm forgetting. <laughs> okay. Um, so what subgenres or genres do you think? Obviously, it's fantasy, but are there any subgenres of fantasy that, that this story fits the best into? Uh, yeah, I would say fantasy adventure for sure. Um, dark fantasy. We've got some of the darker themes in there. Um, and then epic fantasy too. Okay. Doc, we're going to have to do a breakdown of what all of that means as a, as a fireside chat. I think that could be fun. Uh, you know what? With epic fantasy and that it's not all 400 pages, I'm impressed. Because epic fantasy really does tend to lay itself out for tomes <laughs> i just like that word all right so like what can you tell us very accurate this true tis true uh, it's like uh tolkien just ruined the genre for everybody but you know he did create it kind of so eh, what are you gonna do uh so let's talk about the story the story itself what can you tell us about your main character uh well this is a multi-pov story so there's three main characters we've got kata Connell and Lark. Kata is uh, a born leader as the princess, of course, um, though she does spend some time growing into that role throughout the series. Um, Connell and Lark are actually brother and sister, and um, a main part of the plot focuses on them reuniting. Um, Connell, he's loyal to a fault, and he's determined to find his sister Lark, and um, she's the healer of the group. She's a kind soul, but um, she does have a few moments where she gets to kick some ass, too. <laughs> Wish fulfillment, anybody in particular you were thinking about when you wrote that? Oh, I feel like there's parts of uh, the each of them that I feel like I can relate to in myself. But then a lot of it, too, is just how I would like to see myself, too. I think that's, that's I think that is an unusually honest answer <laughs> for both aspects. Yeah. Um, I mean, your right, character... Doc. Sound amazing. What? It does. I was just letting you know you're next because I want you to say I stole more questions. It's okay. I know you're brain damaged, but I love you anyways. <laughs> so, do you have any secondary characters within this series? Uh, sure. There are actually a ton of characters. What's your favorite one? Um, I would definitely say my favorite is one of Lark's friends. She ends up on her journey meeting a group of traveling performers. And um, the like leader of the traveling performers is named Dazius, and he's um, he was just a fine character to write. He's a bit flamboyant, but he's got a soft heart. Um, so I really liked writing him. Can I ask? So are the companions like do they talk? Are they their own separate characters, really? Or they are. They um, they communicate mentally with their bondmate and no one else so there's a lot of inside jokes going on and whatnot that you, you you get to see the two companion pairs speaking and nobody else really knows what's going on 
So like docking with my brothers. Got it. <laughs> so I think That's, this is awesome. okay. No, well, I mean, you know, you have you have people. We all know at least two people where they like are so in sync. Everybody else is on the outside. Yeah, so for sure. That's so, awesome. What? So you, I'm going to interrupt with an add-on question, Doc. Hold on, hold on. I'm not stealing your question. So you mentioned that the secondary characters are these these Bond creatures, the like the wolf, and then later creatures in later books. So was it difficult? Do you think writing animals that were uh, in some ways almost sentient and had their own personality? Wait, 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 wait. We haven't decided. Are they sentient in their own right, Amber? I would definitely say they're sentient, and um, okay. it was it was a little difficult trying to get in the animals' heads, and even more so to like detail their body movements at times. Um, but um, I, I just tried to give them each their own personality too, so that um, they come across as a character in their own right, and not just like the main characters, you know, addition their their yeah. own being, you know. That is not an extension, so, but it's a partnership. Mm -hmm. For sure, did definitely. You, did you have? Did you have to do like reading on various animal um, traits, and some of the animals that you you have paired, like obviously wolves, really exist, or did you just kind of take some educated guesses at it? Uh, well, for wolves, I did. Um, I did mostly just judge that with my dog, watching like the animal motions. Um, I did do a bit of research on falcons. That's um, Muse on the second cover uh, is the animal companion for Lark. Um, so I did, I don't really have much experience with falcons, unfortunately, they're beautiful animals. So I had to uh, research some of that for sure to feel like I'm doing it justice. And dragons, of course, I just made up because no way to research that. <laughs> It is a challenge. That's just what they want you to think. <laughs> I'm just saying. We don't know what's at Area 51. Could be dragons. That is no, there's an entire all about Area 51. We'll get into that in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'm done interrupting you for now, Doc. Uh, for now. So can you tell us a bit about the bad guy in this series? Okay, um, well, I did mention the, um, the Akainamon before. They inspired kind of like the bad beasties. Um, there is a, another dark force. Uh, I don't want to get too uh, deep into that because it would be a bit spoilery. spoilery but um, there are some forces in the background that reveal themselves as uh, the series progresses for sure. So... Were they from the IRS? <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope not. I just filled out my tax forms when we recorded this. So. Oh, no, no, no. Anyway. I hate the taxes. <laughs> so you mentioned that the the based on how you describe the world, it sounds like it can be a dangerous place. So would you say almost that the, the environment itself could be somewhat of a bad guy as well, almost a man versus nature kind of effect? Oh, definitely. Um, Connell, he kind of has a, a thing with um, cliffs where he likes to fall down them. So man versus cliff is a trope that might be unique to my book series. Uh, I, I think that is a, um, normally man versus cliff goes flat. So I think that is definitely a unique trope. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I mean, gravity is real. Wait, do you have gravity in the universe? For sure, yes. You can get away with all kinds of things in magical worlds. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm learning. I know magic, you can wave your hands and stuff happens. All right, anyway. All right, so... You know, it sounds like you, based on you separated the, t the siblings and you did all kinds of horrible things to your uh, characters, do you um, do you think if you met them in a back alley and they knew who you were, do you think you could survive that fight um, and walk away? Uh, they I, want revenge? I really don't think so. I, I, I feel like I would probably end up with a few flesh wounds at the very least. They'd be pretty mad at me. <laughs> Yeah, and with forces, okay. I can't fight I, at all. So, I, yeah, I'd probably be a goner. <laughs> I mean, you, okay. could, you might be able uh, to talk them out of it. You kind of know all their buttons. That is true. This is true. You know, they say all so your parents we, are the ones who know the buttons. Well, you, you're their parent. Good point. That's deep. So, <laughs> since we talked about characters, do you... Hush. Since we talked about characters, do you have a favorite character archetype? Uh, yeah, I would say um, magicians or mages are probably my favorite. I have a whole um, school called the Palisade Mages in this series. Um, I don't really get too deep into the actual school aspect of it, but maybe that would be something cool to dig into in a little side plot at some point. Magic schools are always fun. <laughs> Magic schools are a lot of fun, and there's they can be really well done with lots of, um, they don't just have to be like the boarding school <clears throat> motif. So I think they're great. Um, so I'm going to kind of ad lib this question. I know at the bottom, it says that this is a trilogy, mm -hmm. but one of my favorite series of all time started as a trilogy and spawned many more books. So do you plan on continuing in this world? Uh, yeah, this trilogy is is done, but I do have plans for a second trilogy, and um, the the first book is already written. Um, it's going to be out in the fall sometime. I don't have a definite date for it, but um, it's going to be um, where the new characters, um, there'll be new main characters, but the old characters from this trilogy will kind of be around in like uh, supporting roles. So you still get to see them, but they won't be the main stars. Okay. So let's, um, when you write this book, were there any cool scenes that got cut or ideas, concepts from, from draft one that may, maybe you used later, maybe you didn't, but that might be entertaining? Uh, yeah. Um, so there's another side character, a friend of um, Lark's named Tiora. And um, I was originally planning to uh, write a little bit more of her backstory, maybe even have like a little prequel story for her. Um, but that hasn't uh, evolved yet. So I hope maybe at some point in the future I can find time for that. Okay. Um, so what can you tell us about the larger universe? What, what you think um, makes your universe different from the other ones? Did you just sort of lean into the standard fantasy world trope? Uh, did you try to involve other cultures? Like, what can you tell us about the worlds where the Palisade trilogy happens? Okay. Um, well, the world of Drakwood is um, wider than you get to see in this trilogy. Um, like I said earlier, I'm going to 
be making more stories. So um, this, the map you get in the in the front of the books is just the, the two continents where the stories happen. And um, you've got like a variety of different um, environments. There's a jungle forest, uh, deserts, uh, icy mountain areas, and then um, a swamp like bog in between the two continents connecting them. Um, and then later on, I'm going to have more um, on the other side of the world, kind of like across the sea. So it'll be fun to explore like the whole other side of the world that no one really knows exists while this series is happening. So that's cool. We've done an episode on maps, so I'm really compelled to ask this. But did you design your map first or after you did the world? Or are you kind of like building it as you write? Um, so I did, uh, as I was sitting down to think up the plot for book one, that was one of the first things I did was make the map. Uh, I didn't have every single town detailed out. I kind of added them as needed. But like the basic, um, you know, formation of the continents and even like I was even thinking of the different uh, directions that the water currents could move like that was influencing plot points in my mind. So I, that was definitely something that got thought up during the world building process for sure. Awesome. Okay. So is that something know. that's available to your your readers that you, you know maybe snapshots of your sketches or is that just you know for you only? Uh, well, right now it's just for me only. I, I will admit that I am not a very good artist, so it would probably be a little kit, uh, you know, chicken scratch. Like, um, I don't know, maybe I, I would have to have somebody fix it up for me if I ever want to show show it in the light of day. That is okay. entirely is that fair. Yeah. So not you okay. cannot be skilled and gifted in all the areas. So, you know, I will accept that you are only an amazing writer and you need help with the drawing part. <laughs> so, um. As you know, we all know, you know, the best thing about, and you being a uh, scholar of Sanderson's uh, YouTube will definitely believe this, that you have to have internal consistency within a universe, whether it be science or magic. Um, what thing, I'm going to make the gross assumption that it's a fantasy series that it would probably be magic. Would you want to take from this world and bring to ours? Um, I would definitely think the healing magic that Lark has would be cool to have um, just because uh, I really hate going to the doctor for one, <laughs> you know, so if I never Amen. had to see a doctor again, that would be pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> so this is going to be harder because that's such a good and like very altruistic answer. Because next we normally ask, how would you abuse it? Is it just you'd abuse it to never go to the doctor? Uh, well, if you consider that abuse, for sure, I would definitely be doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that definitely oh, you know, is, is a hard one to abuse. That, that's something you would want to share, you know. So you hinted briefly that you had two different magic systems. Can you elaborate a little bit more about those here? Like what, what are your two different magic systems? As much as you can reveal without like, you know, spoilers or, or breaking your plot for, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I don't want to get too involved with the details, but I will say that um, I'm 
definitely in love with the idea of magic having consequences. So um, the magic users in this world, they don't get to just go around willy-nilly shooting magic off whenever they feel like it. They have to learn the skills and they have to accept the consequences that come with it, which are sometimes pretty awful consequences. Okay. And how do you determine what consequences you're going to give? You just, you know, roll the dice or is there like, if this, then that, where there's an actual procedure that you can consult your little hieroglyphic charts or whatever? Yeah. I, well, I've got a, a pretty hard system, I would say. So it's, it's, the, you can go a, a little bit, I guess I could jiggle it around, but for the most part, the consequence you're going to, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it you know so okay how did you go about designing this magical system um, it seems like there's two systems so do like can you get uh, well the main one is an elemental system but then it's got the consequences or the costs attached to it mm -hmm. so i mean that's pretty much you know i base that one just elemental other elemental stuff i've seen so now how common is that system that magic like are we talking 20 percent, 50 percent of the population are magic users uh it's not uh super common so it the way i have it set up is it's for the most part it's hereditary every once in a blue moon somebody might be born with it just out of nowhere but um for the most part it runs in families and probably like 10% of the population has it. So kind of common, but not super common. So common but, enough that it's not like, shh, it's a secret. Yes. The, um, the second system, on the other hand, is super rare. So there are very few people who have the animal companions in this world. Man, they sound okay. like super amazing. So, He's so disappointed. Yeah. So you you obviously have these fantastical creatures in your world. And you mentioned a little bit about how you came up with the dragons, for instance, but as a general rule, when you're writing, so you don't have to apply it to just this series, cause obviously you're working on more, but how do you go about creating these magical creatures? Do you let your nightmares inspire you? Mother nature, myth, legends, and lore. Like what's your process? Um, well, definitely I would say um, animals are a big inspiration. I've got my kid with all the nature documentaries all the time. Um, and then I do love um, looking into myths as well um, and then just taking those and kind of tweaking it and making it my own or making it fit into the world. Okay. That's a, that's a good way well, to do it. I mean, the, the myths and lore are very deep wells to go to. Mm -hmm. Would you want to live in this world? Oh, uh, I don't oh, know. That's not <laughs> That's not a good face. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, probably not. <laughs> the problem is most fantasy worlds don't have running water. Yeah, that's I got true. Kind of attached I mean, to like, that. It's like medieval level technology. So that's like the major downside right there. I was, like I said before, I don't know how to fight. I mean, I would probably be dead. I mean, maybe I mean, if I had some skills, I'd be all right, but I don't. 
plot I was armor. Reading a book and that's called in what's called gas lamp fantasy. So like they have early pistols. There's some plumbing esque things, and I'm like, I could possibly do that world. Yeah, I could get down with that more than the medieval. I, mean, I know how to shoot a rifle already. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, we're all talking that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think you um, just sounded so clearly. This. No, I'm just trying to imagine <laughs> having to live in a but, medieval world. I just don't know that I'd want to do that. You wouldn't be able to do it. They don't have Instapot. Right. No, no, or Crockpots. I mean, you know, I kind of like not dying of scurvy. Yeah. So there's that. I would miss my air fryer for sure. <laughs> absolutely. Doc got me hooked on a stinking air fryer. It's like a drug. Like, what else can I stick in the air fryer and cook delicious food? No, no, food? no. Do not blame me. Blame Mel Todd. She does everything. I do not do my steak in there. I draw the line. <laughs> yeah, my husband's obsessed. He, he eats chicken wings out of the air fryer about once a week. I will admit, chicken wings, yeah. um, pizza pocket thingies, like the little pizza rolls. The brazi bites, which okay. you can get at Costco, those are like my three favorite things for an air fryer. Not steak. <laughs> See, we always end up going to food on this podcast. I almost think, Doc, we need a second podcast where we just talk about food and drool. They are no, because that's just gonna make me hungry and I'll break my diet. No, exactly. we better not. As it is, it's bad enough that all Facebook wants to show me is like men making pastries. <laughs> There's jokes in there somewhere, but this is a family-friendly show, so we're just going to move right along. I love my as we, as we wrap this interview up, was there anything about Shadows That Bind Us in the Palisade trilogy that you we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us? Uh, sure. I'd just like to let you guys all know where to get it if um, you're interested. The ebook is an Amazon exclusive, and it's also in Kindle Unlimited. Um, and you can grab the paperback from barnesandnoble.com or any major book retailers. And um, I've listed the book with the Library of Congress, so you can even request a copy be added to your library if you'd like. Very nice. smart and savvy with the last one. I'm very impressed because not a lot of authors think to get that done when they're newer. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping to see and, uh, some libraries out there. That would be really cool. I've been spending a lot more time at libraries because my son likes to read those Japanese picture book thingies. Like, does it anime or I don't know? Hold up, <laughs> yeah, he reads those and they're like five to ten dollars each, and he can read it in like three to five minutes because you know pictures. Oh, so wow. libraries are a good thing. For sure, for sure. So, Doc, I, yeah, I can tell I, you're I, like I, over I, there. Somebody to do in Japan. There's a place where you can go and you like rent like a cubicle and they have a library of mangas and you just go and you pay for the cubicle by the hour and you just check out whatever manga you want while you're there. Do they have snacks? You're a fast reader. That could... snacks. No, no, they do have snacks. They were actually really smart and they put a cafe in there. So like you're trapped there for like four or five hours. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. It's, it's incredibly I mean... savvy. That's the one thing the libraries around here are missing is snacks. I know, right? 
<laughs> I'm in the South where we're obsessed with food and we still don't have snacks in our libraries, man. I know we got to get with the times, apparently. But uh, all right, so I before we let you go, uh, is there any plans to put this out in audiobook in some point in the future? Uh, definitely, that's it, on the plans for the future. Not um, just quite yet. I've got to just focusing right now on getting all three out. The, the third book is coming out um, very soon. Probably by the time um, this airs, it'll be out. So maybe I can concentrate on audio after that. Okay. So, dear listener, this is the time where I remind you that your thoughts matter. So please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. And if she gets enough book reviews to sell more books, she can afford to put an audiobook out there for all those people that read with their ears. So do your part, people. It really makes a difference. And with that said, uh, Miss Amber L. Werner, can you tell our listeners how they can find you on the interwebs? Uh, sure. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as Amber L. Warner. And you can also reach me on my website at AmberLWarner.com. Outstanding. You can find us on Twitter at Twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen over at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Be sure to send Doc all the candy for her son on Father's Day. She really wants you to do that. <laughs> Uh, and we have a Facebook. You know what? I'm little... okay with that. <laughs> good, good. Uh, we have a Facebook you page where you can also follow where we <laughs> where you can follow. We share. We share. That's an evil laugh if I've ever heard one. We share our episodes, fun books that we find on various book review sites, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Slightly different than what's in the group, so it's worth following both. We have a website over at anchor.fm backslash blasters tag and tag blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades, where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on. These episodes aren't free to produce. We do have to pay for the infrastructure in the back end. And so everything you do to help is greatly appreciated. If you wanted to support the show more directly, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly, I don't know, fed as we send them all the pastries we can find. They will eat pastries until their face explodes. <laughs> my face will never explode. I will be Doc's very like, happy. bring it on. I <laughs> accept this challenge. <laughs> She's like, game on. All right, Doc, bring us home. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with, with us tonight. On behalf of the absent-brained uh, Nick Garber, the adult-brained JR, I am the spastic brain, Seska. <laughs> this was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be... Uh, back here same time same place same i don't know um i can't remember what else i'm supposed to say clearly she needs more coffee but yeah that's a wrap people amber thank you for coming on this was a lot of fun oh thank you so much for having me all right we look forward to seeing you again uh next week dear